Hello and welcome to VR Verdict, episode 67, our weekly podcast where we talk about everything VR. I am PJ. I am Wookie. And we would like to share VR with you. Apparently I have that memorized now because I totally deleted that out of the note page. <laughs> but it's been over a year, I should have it, right? <laughs> should. Joining us this episode is Sean Murphy, creator of Void Rifter. Uh, there's links to everything in the show notes if you want to check it out. There's a demo build that you can test out, and the game should be releasing soon. For that, Wookie, what's new with you? Uh, <laughs> we haven't done that for m- like more than six not. months. So I thought I'd throw throw you off a little bit. Uh what's new with me? Um, as tipped off in the episode, I've been playing a little Mass Effect Legendary. Not a lot new. My car's still in the shop. They're trying to squeeze it in for a, a shifter bushing rebuild and a idler and pitman arm replacement that took me in a three-week treasure hunt to <laughs> fit the correct tie rods because those arms are really hard to find, I guess. Almost had to pay a thousand bucks just for those. I got away with 140 bucks thanks to eBay. Wow. Funny enough, always ask on help forums. This just future reference for that kind of stuff. Because I was looking on eBay like crazy. Couldn't find these things anywhere found one shop in germany that had one the other one's discontinued info only left up for info and that was like you know the 600 bucks by the time i was getting done i could lord for a little piece of metal asked a junkyard and he just heard him clickety clack on the keyboard he found found one on ebay like it was posted in between the last time i looked and called him and i was like done bought it <laughs> and I asked on a help form for the same kind of car i'm like look i found one of these wouldn't mind an extra set since i don't know when i'm gonna have to search for these things again i hope never and one of the guys replied, um, there's one on eBay, idiot. <laughs> I looked and bought it. I'm like, holy shit. I've been looking for these with the part numbers, everything. Nice. Use use help forms. The internet's that's the best part about the internet. But that's what I've been up to, stressing about trying to get that car back so I can drive it. Um, yeah, it's 66 Volvo needs to I haven't given it a good proper stretch. So that's awesome. what what have you been up to? Oh, just playing a lot of different games. Been playing uh, Stones of Harleth came out this past week. It's a very neat. The Oculus Store. I got an alert from the Oculus app. PJ's rated this Stones of Harleth. The creator of the game is actually joining us soon. Um, Nice. It's a really, really charming pixel art, like old school RPG in VR, and it's amazing. I really love it. So check that out. Uh, also come back check out when they join us on the podcast been playing that um still playing demio when we can demio sorry mm. sorry <laughs> <laughs> and then uh finally got around to help uh, give my feedback on the game district dem where they joined us a couple weeks back i've been having some issues with my main headset so it's been really tough saying hey i'll play this and check it out and give you feedback but finally got going. I got caught up on a backlog of people. I said, hey, I'd check that out and get back to you. So that felt good. <laughs> That's about it. Just working on keeping up on games. This episode, if you're listening to it, it's probably Friday, June uh, 11th? 11th. I just want to point out the Upload VR Showcase on 
June 12th. Check that out. It's basically VR's version of V3. Um, hmm. I can't wait till VR is a part of E3 because that'll help get a lot of people looking at VR. But until that happens, this is a very good benefit or, um, I don't know, option. <laughs> Alternative? Alternative is the word I was looking for. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So check that out. A lot of good games. Um, I know Demio is going to showcase some of their next expansion there. So super excited for that. Cool. But that's enough about us. Now check out the interview with Sean Murphy and let him explain to you what Void Rifter is. And then we'll play that. Be entranced by the colors. Well, Wookie, this is Sean. Sean, this is Wookie. Yo. Hello. Sean is the lead developer on the game Void Rifter. I didn't see if you guys had a studio name or not. Yes, Piece by Piece XR Development is the name of the company. Okay. Just a fancy name. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> exciting. Usually game studios call themselves like uh, Saucy Panda or something like that. And <laughs> I just went with Piece by Piece because it sounded professional. And, you know. <laughs> actually, we've mentioned your game on the podcast before, almost uh, well over a year ago, actually, in April last year. We were doing like a side quest roundup of games back then, and I had played your original build, I think. You were pretty close to one of them. And I really liked the game. It was like playing a mech game from the uh, cockpit of a TIE fighter, so it was awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, that uh, that comment actually, because I did watch it right after you guys posted it, and I was like, oh, "Yeah, nice. we're in something." Because it used to be a team of guys. Now it's just me working on it. But uh, and uh, I uh, intentionally kept the Tie Fighter looking cockpit in <laughs> specifically because of that comment. It had to oh, do nice. with total overhaul of all of the art assets because you know some of the artists left, and and we need Aww. better performance on the. Uh, on the uh, devices, because the Oculus Quest is a really, really hard platform to work for because of its limitations. But yeah. um, and so I had to do an overhaul of all the art assets, and uh, then I also added in the customization system. So um, I kept the Tie Fighter cockpit in there. For that reason. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, for anyone listening that maybe hasn't heard of Void Rifter, or played it, or seen it, um, how would you describe the game? Void Rifter is a I believe the term is boomer shooter. One of our uh, resident uh, Discordians uh, <laughs> was able to classify the game as a boomer shooter. I didn't necessarily want to classify it as first because it's a mech game. You know, there's so few mech games on the market that uh, sure. you know each <laughs> game can be different in its own way. So I was just kind of trying to recreate what I loved about Doom 2016 and. Uh, uh, halo into nice. one big adventure with a giant robot and i've been build, building uh giant robot games for a long time so uh, but yeah. this is the first one that's ever come to market <laughs> um but yeah so it, you you play a giant robot and the uh, whole purpose is to get your dog back um the dog does survive also that is it is alive uh <laughs> it is not killed <laughs> To it's answer not, the question from the podcast initially, uh, it's not John Wick <laughs> Mech Warrior crossover. <laughs> <laughs> no, the dog does not die, thankfully. Um, that's a spoiler. Uh, and you know, I apologize to anybody who wants to be in the story, but uh, 
or wants to really enjoy the story, but uh, the dog doesn't die. Uh, but you do have to get the dog back, so... You gotta have you know. something to fight for. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so giant mech game. You start on Earth, you go to another dimension, because these creatures use uh, light from our dimension to power their their entire civilization in their dimension, because the matter from our reality is unstable there, which creates a heck of a load of energy. And, uh, yeah. That's awesome. So you say you've been working on mech games for a long time. So I was going to ask you, where did this, the concept come from? But apparently that's, you've just kind of been working on the, maybe not the genre, but the, the class maybe of game. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been making games for about 12 years now. Um, and the thing that I've always gravitated toward was robots, big, giant, pilotable robots, because I grew up with Gundam and yeah. Mech Warrior and stuff like that <laughs> and uh, Mech Assault. And so for me, it was just uh, such a natural thing to do. I mean, I love giant robots and, you know, VR came along and I was like, you know, it'd be great. A giant robot game in VR. Are there any? <laughs> No, there aren't. Well, here's a good chance. You know, what can I do? How can I push this device to actually look good? And um, I, I was looking around a lot of the communities and they said stuff like, oh, the quest's really limited. You can't do a whole lot of stuff, blah, 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 blah. Maybe you're you're limited to these little um, puzzle games and all that stuff and cartoony graphics and stuff. And I was like, well, hold on a second. I'm sure we could get post-processing working on that. I mean, and so I did that and then I chose to go with a simplistic art direction. Um, it's a little bit more complex artistically now, but uh, yeah. And so over the years, I've just been mulling around game ideas. And this was one, and VR was one that I I just couldn't help become obsessed with. Yeah, it's, I've always wondered. I've played two other mech games in VR that have been pretty good. Why aren't there more, do you think, since it's kind of VR lends itself to that really well? Well, I think that the reason why there's not a lot of mech games in general is because it's a very niche market that's not very marketed. I mean, the most marketed game right now is Mech Warrior 5. And, you know, there's countless VR mech games like Vox Mechana, which is a really cool one. I'm a huge mm -hmm. fan of it. Me and my friends and my significant other played a lot. And, uh, it's a great time. We're all screaming and yelling, trying to get our mechs to cooperate. Um, but uh, <laughs> that's uh, it, it's hard to build a good mech game. I think Hawken proved that. You know, if you guys had played Hawken, yeah, I did back was, in the day for a little bit. It was a damn good game, but the reality was not a lot of people wanted to play it when it came to PC. I mean, it's still active on PlayStation and Xbox, but. On PC, they've shut down the servers, which is very unfortunate because I would love to use it as a reference, but I don't have a PlayStation. I don't have an Xbox, you know? Um, sure. yeah, we, we used to play a game called Chrome Hounds that Sega yeah. owned. Chrome and you can customize. Yeah, it was on 360, I think, PJ. Is that right? Yeah. You could so make fun. your own mech. You, there was like a little logo creator. I had Brian the dog from Family Guy like <laughs> on the front of this shotgun tank mech. There was all sorts of stuff you could do. And the multiplayer was like, there's communication towers, and if you got too far from your friends, you couldn't talk in game chat. You'd have to go take a tower, and then your communication network would expand, and you could do PvP. And they That's... shut the servers down. And I was like, Ugh. Yeah, it was all my mechs. <laughs> I was like, no, I can't get to them. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the unfortunate thing of mechs is 
it's it's such an it's like fighter jet games you know they're they're great when they're done well like project wingman that's a damn good game (laughs) but how many good accessible first person vr flight games are there I mean, there's Microsoft Flight Simulator, but that one still requires a has a barrier of entry of being your hardware. Um, yeah. And then stuff like uh, DCS World is fantastic, but you got to learn how to fly an aircraft properly. And so accessibility, this is kind of where Mac games kind of fall into is because you get a lot of games in Macs, which are often too arcadey. You get a lot of games that are often not arcadey and too grindy and stuff like that. And so... Um, the unfortunate reality is it's just not a genre for the average gamer, it seems, until now, because VR has totally changed that. I mean, I get people in it who have never played a mech game before, and especially in Void Rifter's latest builds, and they're like, this is, he's my language, but this is fucking awesome. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That's so kind. Um, but that's kind of something that I've actually tried to get away from, is Void Rifter is a mech game. But it's less of what we know of mech games and more of what we know of traditional shooters. Right. And so that's one of the ways I'm trying to make it more accessible, as well as the simplistic graphics um, is a a tactic of a few reasons why that is, actually. Um, The first reason is for for performance. I have no textures in the game. It's all something called material coloring. And so I don't have any textures, so I can store light maps like crazy and get really good visual lighting looking on the on the hardware. And then I can have post-processing as well, because I'm no longer processing textures in the post-processing. It's just colors. And so I get like a 45% performance increase just from doing that. And this also has the added benefit of being very, I guess, what's the term? I work in hypercasual, and we use the term agnostic graphics a lot, which is super simple um and very easy to look at but also very visually engaging and so void rifter has a lot of that in that it has those visual aesthetics that are super simplistic but also when you look at the big picture it's very pretty you know what i mean and so mm-hmm. this is kind of one of the ways i'm trying to separate myself from the other mech games and play where it works but um, yeah and that's kind of one of the things about mech games is they are a niche genre I mean, there's not a lot of them, and there's a there's a game community. Another game, actually, I'm not sure if you guys have tried it yet. Titan Zero. I think I played a. Isn't there like a demo of that that's been around for a while? Uh, Titan Zero is uh, similar to like a similar to MechWarrior style Oculus Quest VR game that just came out on uh, SideQuest, and. They're great guys. I really like what they're doing. They're they're taking the hardcore approach, and that's fantastic. And I, I like it a lot. Um, so that's another guy. The game you guys should check out too. Yeah, huh. I like the you know when we're talking about just mech games in general, I love that they can span from you know the hardcore like almost simulation type to very arcadey. Um, because like Wookie said with Chrome Hounds is it was more simulation than arcade like you really had to like know what you're doing and piloting the mechs but then i also loved um mech assault you mentioned on xbox i actually beta tested that and xbox live before they were a thing and i had the top score in mech assault for a couple months like (laughs) in the world (laughs) yeah we played that a lot yeah so just uh, it's always been really neat to to see different games come out and do really different 
things with the same kind of, um, I guess, genre, if we want to call it that. But um, So it's really neat that you're trying to kind of forge your own path and make a, something a little different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, every mech game's different. Every mech game's unique. It's, uh, it's like first-person shooters, right? Every first-person shooter's unique in its own way. Um, but Max is such a massive market to be able to play with, and it's, there's not a lot of games in there. And I think that there's, I mean, there's a few reasons, all the ones I said previously, but also very hard to make a good mech game. It is very hard, and I, I learned that <laughs> because, uh, you know, you, you get into these giant robots, and you start to realize a few things. One, these things are like specifically going to make people sick um so how do you prevent that you know and then things like um how do i make sure that when i grab something in the cockpit it feels good and it doesn't feel like a pain you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and then also how do i make hitting that that rocket rockets button feel good you know and so i mean it is so hard to make these games well that I think that a lot of people get lost in that, trying to make the mech itself feel good. Like, I've been playing a lot of Mech Warrior 5 with uh, my significant other and a couple friends because we're doing a campaign. And, and uh, that's kind of the thing about it is it's a hard game, but it's good, you know? But a lot of people don't want hard. They want fun. Yeah. <laughs> and so that is, I mean, fun can be hard, but as long as it's not too hard. And so I've kind of abandoned everything that it is that makes a good core to a simulation mech game. And I'm kind of trying to build something that's more of a traditional shooter. And so it separates itself a lot in that way. And so a couple of those systems, I'll talk about the systems because I love the systems I built. Sure. (laughs) Um, (laughs) One of the systems is I have an AI director in there, similar to like what Left 4 Dead has. Nice. Um, and so the purpose of this, I think I posted this on Twitter, but um, is to make it so that the game's adapting to you as a player. And, you know, in MechWarrior 5, the game, you have to adapt to the game. So I, I want to go the opposite route. And so the, the AI is constantly watching what you're doing, constantly checking your health, constantly checking how far you've gone, checking how good you are at getting good hits and stuff like that. You know, and, and it's making sure that the AI it's pushing your way is matching that rather than obliterating you. And so um, it it's to make a game that is more fun than it is aggressive, I guess. <laughs> I, it, it's building directors like this is often used in games to be able to adapt the game, you know, make it feel like it's alive, like it's constantly thinking. And, yeah, you and, get up on like a... A good balance between you're the movie action star, so you get winged but never killed, and then you know, like just hard enough to not get steamrolled or feel like you get bored because you're tomb steam too. You're steamrolling them, so it's cool that you put exactly. something like that in there. And so that actually addresses one of the com- comments. I was going to say complaints, but more comments we got about <laughs> Void Rifters demo, and that was that it was too easy. We actually intentionally did that to make it more easy because we had this system in mind and uh we were thinking a lot about the new users to vr because most of the people who come to vr they're on an oculus quest oculus oculus quest 2 and they've never really played a lot of vr games and so they're getting used to they played beat saber they played pistol whip and all those really really awesome games 
But when it comes to the extended genres where it's like, hey, this is the shooter, this is Pavlov, this is, you know, they've not really done that. And so it, it it's kind of hard to push them into those much higher increases of difficulty. And so the demo itself was meant to be easier to play, but more of a rhythmic flow. And so the director kind of solves this problem long term um, so that people who are maybe not as proficient in shooters can still really enjoy the game because it's not going to send as many AI. It's not going to make them aim as well. It's not going to make them hit the mark as good. It's not going to make them squad up as well. It's not going to make them defend points so aggressively and things like that, because that's what this AI does. It's essentially an RTS AI, um, and its whole purpose is to squad the AI up and, and, and create a gameplay loop that feels good, um, but not aggressive. Too that makes a lot of sense, because I do remember playing the demo on I wouldn't say it was like super easy, but it, like I killed everything without an issue. And then I hopped into the latest build this weekend and started off kind of the same. And then all of a sudden there were just enemies everywhere and there was just tons of them. Like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> <laughs> they were chasing me around like I thought they were spawning in a location. So I was kind of like trying to flank them and stuff. And then they would just follow me <laughs> and stuff. It's like, this is bizarre. Yeah. Like, So that makes a lot more sense. That's that's really cool. Because at the yeah. end, like, I had, um, there's probably like 20 guys coming at me. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The overwhelming feeling is something I'm trying to really <laughs> engineer in there, too. Um, the rockets are the are the ultimate solution to large hordes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and so I think that, that uh, that's really something that's hard to solve. You know, like, how do I do that? And that's kind of like one of the pieces of advice or not advice comments we've gotten about the latest demo that's on our website um and it's that you know this is way more difficult this is way more intense i feel like i actually have to move um i noticed a lot of people were staying put in the demo uh the original (laughs) demo they'd stay put and they'd just shoot stuff and be like yeah i'm a giant robot i could do this and that's that was kind of the intention initially but now i want people moving and i want them moving fast and so there's multi-classes and stuff like this. You got your heavy, your medium, your light, and you can customize and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, and so that that I had to create AI that worked with that, and this whole director system really works well with that. Um, something else that uh, I have to make a comment on is the director in that demo, the one that you played this weekend, is kind of broken because it is it has something called a kill wave, and for some reason it just keeps trying to do the kill wave constantly. And so yeah. if you get like 40 plus of the match, yeah, it's like, oh, okay, it's trying to kill me, you know? <laughs> yeah, but that's been fixed, so. Nice. That was fun, but I kept, somehow I, I kept, you know, just obliterating them all. I'm like, what do I do? How does this stop? <laughs> they finally <laughs> killed me, but that was pretty yeah. fun. Yeah. It's, and with uh... your, um, your systems, like you're, when you're in the cockpit and you have, uh, levers and buttons to hit and it all works really well like you have the throttle and you have to physically grab or not physically but in virtual reality grab kind of like the controller and like then you kind of aim it it's really neat yeah that was um it's kind of like that in the original demo but we wanted to really make that obvious because that was a conversation i had with all the guys before they left um and that was that you know we are aiming but something feels you know we need something more and so i think at the last update we did to that side quest demo we added the the like gun reticle handle thing 
And then it really just all came together with that. And so I wanted to expand on that a lot for this. Um, because something I've discovered is a lot of the aiming in VR is guns. And that's what people are familiar with. But a lot of the aiming in like games like Project Wingman is like where you're looking. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. And... I don't like games in VR where it's, I look here, that's where it targets. Because that, when I w- worked in Enterprise XR, we we found that it was super nauseating to get people to do that all the time. You know, if things were following their vision constantly, then that would make them slightly nauseous, uh, especially if they're standing. And so sitting, of course, is how you're supposed to play Void Rifter. But that is one of the reasons why I, I took it off the headset i put it in the hand i physically aim the gun but it also makes it a lot more engaging a lot more exciting it does and when with the games that you know the ridicule or whatever follows your vision like i've played a few of those earlier games and you almost give yourself whiplash after a time <laughs> just looking around yeah. aiming at things and and even if you don't G- have what's that good right. i was gonna say even if you're like i don't get vr sickness or anything anymore but I can't imagine if you did even in the slightest, like how you would even play that kind of game. Absolutely. GTA 5's <laughs> VR mod that that dude made works really well. You still got to use the camera to kind of fine tune. Yeah. So you're moving your head around a little bit. And it, even that is, I mean, you're just kind of doing the fine tune, the, the last, you know, 10% of you actually aiming. Even that's just really weird. So I like the, I like the little gun looking reticle you put in there well, thank the you I, I appreciate that that uh a lot of testing oh my god um <laughs> i had been working on a good way to make that work i mean in the very first version there was none you just was your controller and i was like well they'd aim through the ring of the controller and then somebody said that's dumb as hell why would they do that and i'm like you're right maybe i should make it more obvious <laughs> and so <clears throat> that's where that came from um there's actually something else that you had mentioned motion sickness um and this is something i did want to talk a little bit about and that motion sickness in vr games especially sliding games like the ones that void drifter is um it's such a problem however doing quite a bit of research there is a number of solutions to the problem to make people a lot more comfortable um and after i implemented a lot of these solutions i've not had a motion sickness issue at all even with people who have severe motion sickness like my significant other she's she can't play anything with sliding because she's just instantly sick and but she can play void drifter no problem and so which is great because i have a free tester but yep. also <laughs> um, but also uh <laughs> oh, <laughs> she wouldn't like hearing that <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, and so a lot of the tricks that come in are like a vignette. A vignette is the dark thing around the eyes. So it, when yeah. you move faster, it slowly creeps in. But you can turn that off. Another thing is um, if you make sure that in perspective, there's something around the perspective. So it's like they're looking through like a tunnel. Then yeah. for some reason, that totally resolves some of the motion sickness issue. As well as putting things that cover the horizon, like the bars of the cockpit canopy. and so. If you look and you go through all the customized canopies, they all have that horizon point of the canopy. And so that itself, those steps create a game that, for some reason, doesn't give people motion sickness. 
as well as like, there's no acceleration that just you're instantly going fast so it's like the um gives your eyes kind of like an anchor point you know you, exactly. you realize that you're in you're in a capsule instead of in a fisheye lens planet exactly cool. i think i'm not a doctor though so i have no idea <laughs> there's just stuff just worked and so i was like all right hell yeah here we go um but yeah so you know i i'm really glad that people don't get sick playing it as much as they used to because there was a lot of bugs in the in the demo itself and i noticed in the pot or the uh, top 10 side quest games one of the bugs had showed up uh in the video itself and i didn't know about this bug until i saw your video and i was like oh i'm glad i saw that but it's uh there was cockpit shake for a little while i moved it off of the cockpit now it's just on the on the buttons and stuff but um every time the cockpit shake would happen the cockpit itself would move up to the left just a little bit yeah. and so if you kept getting hit if you got hit like a hundred times you would the cockpit would leave you behind it's <laughs> interesting now, that was a fun bug to find. Automatic ejector seat. <laughs> exactly. That's really interesting. With your current build, uh, are there, or actually, for when you're thinking of like actually releasing the game, what um, like modes or like parts of the game are you uh, focusing on or planning to have? Is it just like a campaign, or are there going to be? multiplayer or yes <laughs> so initially the release is i i have a partnership with pico neo and so nice. i'm releasing on august 1st in the asian market and it comes with a campaign which will be updated over the next few months after the release um to extend it because I, i'm trying to get everything in there but we'll see you know mm -hmm. uh, and this includes multiplayer co-op so you can play with your friends kind of thing up to four players through the campaign. So it feels like Halo 3, you know, but I really <laughs> like Halo 3. And so yeah. that, that was a must. Um, and I also don't like playing games alone. So I was like, yeah, there you go. Um, and so that will be included there. Later on, I'm going to release Horde mode, which is actually the mode. It might come with it. I don't know yet, um, but it might be a later release. But that's what you essentially had played over the weekend was that was Horde mode. And so sure. it's survival, essentially. You, you, you fight until you die. And that, that supports up to four people as well. Um, and then additionally after that, I will be bringing the PvP. Um, PvP was actually my main focus for the better half of last year being able to make a good pvp session there's videos on the youtube channel piece by piece of that those test sessions i believe uh pj you would you would come to one but we ran out of time so you know yeah but, yep. um, <laughs> but uh yeah getting as many people in there as possible was a challenge uh, but uh we i mean i say we but i I had a lot of fun working on that so pvp is something that's coming it'll be up to i believe eight people for per team um maybe if i can squeeze the performance out of the quest i'll be able to get up to like 16 we'll see um but yeah so it's gonna include that i still have to build the bots to be something that can generate on on runtime because there are bots in the game but they're mostly for testing purposes right now um but yeah so uh it'll include a campaign which hopefully by the end of the year will be at least four hours long um there will be a uh, co-op in that campaign as well as horde and pvp nice 
podcast. Also, it's cross-platform. So that's awesome, especially you know with VRs, <clears throat> like you said, the limited player base. The cross-platform is, I'm sure, a big help to get everyone playing together, at least. Absolutely, I gotta fill the rooms, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, one of the things too is you know a, a VR only release. I mean, we we heard there was half like Alex was. It is you're dooming your game to whether or not people have a VR headset or not. And, mm-hmm. you know, more people have VR headsets now. I think Facebook has sold well over 4 million Oculus Quest 2s, which is fucking awesome, and I'm super happy about that. But um, there, how many people are on Steam? You know what I mean? Like, there's yep. upwards of 30 million people on Steam. And when it comes to Steam, only a small percentage of them have the VR headsets right now. So we're getting a lot higher and higher and higher, which is awesome, but there's still people who just might not ever have a VR headset. Yeah. And so I want those people to still be able to play the game. So the game will release on pretty much every platform that w- I will be able to get it onto. Um, I'm a PlayStation partner right now as well, so it will be going into the PlayStation sometime in the end of the year. Awesome. Um, really as cool. Well as, yeah, I'm excited for that. That's Let's a big that player goes. base. <laughs> yeah. That is huge. And so I, I, I price the game around that kind of thing. So the game itself is going to be about $13. Um, which I think is a good good thing to get as many players as possible. It's it's a low enough price so that everybody can be like, hey, this is just ten bucks, you know, or thirteen bucks. I can I can afford this, and and yep. hopefully that that works. And then I'll add like chapters because the the campaign will be episodic, and I intend to work on Void Rifter for the next few years. Awesome. So rather than doing like uh, sequels and stuff like that, I'm going to do like the Doom Eternal row, which is the chapters and and DLC releases. And we'll see how that how all that goes. <laughs> Every developer we talk to and they have like a flat screen version of their game is just amazing to me because like we say it all the time, but like we have friends that we play with that aren't into VR and it's like, I really want to play this game with people, but you know, I don't have any friends that play VR and so if you can get them on the flat screen version it's just a bonus. Yeah. Very absolutely. Much so. Then you can try to convert them secretly. <laughs> exactly. You bring them over and you put the headset on them and they're like, ah, shit, I was wrong. <laughs> you get that one Actually, weird friend that built a gaming PC and bought an yeah. original Rift. You know, this is November 2017-ish. Built a gaming PC. I've not had one. I think he went overboard on it. Like, you know, yeah. I'm assuming three grand. And then, you know, what was it? 800 bucks or 400 bucks for the headset at that time? Yeah. Spent a lot of money and played it like, we played like, Two or three matches of Elven Assassin, I think. And maybe one Pavlov. <laughs> and never <laughs> saw him online again. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, the drought of games was such a problem for such a while. Like, you, you buddy of mine, actually the guy who got me into VR, because I was a VR skeptic, believe it or not. <gasps> um, yeah, I was one of those ones. Um, <laughs> he... Uh, he got an Oculus Rift, and he had the Predator Acer laptop, and he was like, come on over, give it a try. And I was like, nah, it's dumb. It's just weird heads. It's just, it's just a flat-screen game, but you can look left and right. What's the big deal? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and he's like, no, just shut up. Get in the car. Let's go. And you're going to try it, and I promise you'll change your mind. And I was like, fine. And so I did. And, you know, it's, it, it, it's always this way. You put the headset on, you look around for about a minute, and you're like, fuck, I was wrong. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, after that, I was like, all right, well, this is my career coming forward. I will be using this. I will be building these games, you know, coming soon. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I converted a buddy of mine as well. Um, he was also a VR skeptic. And I it's same conversation, exact same conversation. And we get back to the place I was staying at the time and put a VR headset on him in about 30 seconds. And he's like, I'm fucking wrong. This is great. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the next day he had ordered an Oculus Rift S. <laughs> nice. So, he, uh, he got it too. You know, it's once you get the headset on them and they try some good games, then it changes their mind pretty good, quick. And I think that it, it's really all about that first game selection. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, what's that one? Uh, uh, Robo Recall. Robo Recall. <laughs> you put people in that and they're just like, wow, this is the greatest thing ever made. You know? Yeah. Hey, I was going to ask, you know, how do you, as a developer or anything, like, how do you decide on VR? Because it's, it's, it's got to be a tough choice. To, how long did it take you to kind of decide, or was it VR is so great, that's what I'm doing type of thing? Yes and yes. I think that it's complicated because I worked in Enterprise XR, which is both AR and VR. Um, and, you know, I... I see the potential of virtual and augmented reality, more virtual reality. I'm not really a big fan of augmented reality anymore. Um, but I see the huge potential of virtual reality for just all walks of life. I mean, part of Piece by Piece, which is my company's purpose, was to to build occupational health and safety uh, training simulations in virtual reality so that <clears throat> when people go make mistakes in lockout tago they don't die you know what i mean mm -hmm. and they can make those mistakes and uh, so i've always seen that application of things and after putting the vr headset on for the first time it was like yeah this is it this my career is this this is going to be it from now on how do i get the money to do this you know um and how so do you just ask what's that how do you get the money to do this <laughs> carefully <laughs> uh budgeting um robin banks but, uh yeah um and so you know for me the decision was pretty much yeah this is it i'm doing this and you know working in enterprise xr really solidified that i mean we worked with the magically worked with the hololens worked with uh nice. the unreal and stuff like that and these are all really great headsets that all had their own strengths and weaknesses um and most of them being the tiny viewport uh <laughs> i don't know if you know this or if you've ever tried a hololens gen one but it's about it's about uh, the viewport is about the size of like a a want to say driver's license that's put about six to seven inches in front of your face. Wow! So it's tiny. So you got to find the thing you've just placed. <laughs> and so for me, that was when it's like, well, VR it's already doing these incredible worlds. So like, let's go over there. You know. Um, yeah, I've, I've yeah. always wanted to try a Hololens and never been able to, but. They, you know, they demoed Minecraft way back on that. It's like that looks so amazing, but you know, nothing really ever came of it. I know it's more like a like an enterprise-based thing, not a consumer-based thing right now. But it was so neat that I was like, "That's awesome!" <laughs> but yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, being able to put things in the world around you is pretty awesome. But I think the the big part of about virtual and augmented reality is being able to leave the real world and go somewhere else mm -hmm. made of imaginations. And I think that, you know, th these are all thoughts. These are things, not necessarily facts. But I think that, to me, is what people really want is to escape reality sometimes rather yeah. than augment reality. 
Um, I mean, reality is cool and making reality better is cool, but just going somewhere else altogether or being on the ISS or being on the moon or being in a giant robot and killing aliens that stole your dog. You know, I think that <laughs> it, it really is so much more exciting to me, at least. Yeah. So exciting that I started a company around it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just the, yeah. I think it's awesome when you, you see something and you try VR for the first time and it's, it's that mind blowing that you're like, this is my path. Because like you, you, you have said or stated it as well, like the player base is small compared to other gaming platforms or not even gaming platforms, but technology. So just like all the developers we talk to is just it's amazing that this is what I'm doing. This is the path. I'm, I know it's a small thing, but we're going to work and make it better. And it's just like I just I can do nothing but applaud you guys. It's awesome. <laughs> I think one of the important things, too, is the future of it, the potential of it. It's mm -hmm. just astronomical. With, like, the Oculus Quest 1, you couldn't get them. They were sold out constantly. And the Oculus Quest 2, they, they more than quadrupled their supply, and it's still hard to get those. And so I think it's, it's in the next five or ten years, it's going to come. Like, I would even say five to ten years now. I'd say it's now next couple years. I mean, like, I already have friends that I'm like, hey, how you doing? And they're like, good, how are you? I'm like, good, you try VR? And they're like, oh, I got an Oculus Quest too, you know? And it's like, oh, I never knew you would have gotten that. And they're like, yeah, it's, you look cool. So I wanted to try it, and it was a good price. Um, and I think that now that that accessibility is there, I think that it's just a matter of time before everybody has these headsets. Because, I mean, it's it's like that first time all over again. It, I always struggle to explain to people what the first experience in virtual reality is going to be like, because they're always, you just can't hype it up enough. It's yeah. such a mind blowing. It genuinely blows your mind. And it's like playing video games all over again for the first time. It is because we've mentioned it many times on here. Like I was in a, before we got into VR, I was in a space where like gaming was just getting old. And I was just like, God, you know, we've been gamers all our lives. I'm like, Am I just getting old or like do the games just kind of not do they just suck nowadays <laughs> like what's going on and then i put a vr headset i'm like holy shit it's i'm back like this is awesome we're here yeah break the stick off let's stay here <laughs> yeah it's a, yeah it's a shame with the the regular non-vr games because there's so many good ones out there why don't they keep making them but then everything has to be recycled nowadays so of course I think that's where VR comes in. We we're totally creating a whole new game industry from the ground up, and yeah. you know, I think uh, I think that's just so awesome. I am so excited to be a part of it because, you know, I I get to build Void Rifter, and by the time VR is truly fully mainstream, Void Rifter hopefully will be an established name, and everybody like, well, have you tried Void Rifter yet? <laughs> that's a game to try, you know. Yeah, and I hope. That's the thing. Uh, we'll see. I got to get on the Oculus store first, too. Uh, um, but uh, that's like a whole oh god. That's quite a while of a wait. App Lab. To App Lab, you know? Yep. <laughs> but I, I imagine since you're planning like a flat screen version, you're obviously going to try and hit every VR platform as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I... Uh, I'm aiming for Steam VR, uh, Pico Neo, which is Asian market. I'm Oculus Quest, um, 
I even want to go on the Nintendo Switch if I can. <laughs> what? You were going to say something before I, I, was, I said something. Oh, I don't remember. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, PlayStation VR, everything I can get it on. I mean, it's such an easy game to port. I think that I actually had a conversation about this in a previous event I was at last week. Um, somebody asked me a question. The question was, uh, how did you find balancing between the VR gameplay and the flat screen gameplay? Was that difficult? That's a um, good question. <laughs> thankfully, it wasn't difficult because it just worked. Hmm. I have this auto-aim system built into it that just totally removes that balancing factor. And then also because the Oculus Quest controllers are essentially just a gamepad that's broken in half. You know, it just it just is there. You know what I mean? Like keyboard mouse, it all plays the same. I mean, when we were doing the eight V or four V four in the uh um PvP, there was no difference in the scores between people who were flat screen versus VR because it just was so by default balanced, which was such an accident, but I'm so glad because that's such a pain to balance. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a lucky break. Very lucky. <laughs> I, I, I have to be honest with you, that was extreme luck there. <laughs> Is it something you can replicate? I have no idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just curious. We will find out. <laughs> the only answer I think, to that. <laughs> I think that uh, when it comes down to it, understanding how each platform's strengths and weaknesses are and how do you leverage that um, comes down to auto-aim systems. Yeah. Because when it came to the Xbox, the only reason why Halo was something people could genuinely enjoy and be accessible to most gamers who are new to gaming, especially the original Xbox, was their aim assist system, their bullet magnetism, they called it. Um, and that just allowed people to actually be able to get headshots. Because, I mean, like, if I was to turn off auto-aim, nobody would hit a damn thing at all <laughs> because it's so hard to aim because it's just like little lasers and each gun aims is about, they're about 20 feet apart. And so the auto-aim system always makes sure they're looking both in the same position. But if not, I mean, I had a broken version of the auto-aim system a while ago, um, just after we'd released the demo, I broke it because I was trying to fix it. Because um, Sometimes it would pick the wrong object you were pointing at. Um, but it was just so difficult to play because I couldn't hit anything. And then I realized the auto-aim system was broken, so I had to revise it all. Um, and it works way better. But um, that, balance, that balances the game by default, I think. That, that ability for it to be able to... It no longer becomes how good is my shot and more is how quick am I to shoot. And that's, that's the way I want my games to be, is how quick am I to take that shot versus, you know how good is my shot because i think the quick reaction time of a of a game is to me more enjoyable i mean i play a lot of counter-strike too and you know it, it has some pretty good auto aim in it um and so you know it's that's the accessible nature of it i think which makes it easy to port to everything <laughs> <laughs> i'm the opposite though i always have to turn that stuff off like <clears throat> I'm the guy that can't hit crap um, <laughs> in, like, Black Ops 2. No matter how hard I tried, but I could, with, like, the crossbow or whatever, I could hit people between wooden boards or run in full speed, and I just plonk right between them. Like, uh, 
I think Gears of War, the first one, I think there was PvP, yeah. and I hit the, somebody with a torque bow, a friend of ours, between two of the train cars on the train level. Like, I'm really Ooh. good at those, like, perfect shots, but it takes me a while. I can't do sustained fire, like, shooting from a vehicle to save my life, so I have to turn the auto-aim off, because I know where I want this bullet to go. I've gotten used to a game, like, I know the mechanics, I know where that bullet needs to drop, and auto-aim will like you know try to shoot where the head is instead of where i'm trying to tell him where the head's going to be and i will just rage out at myself like <laughs> be like no damn it <laughs> but it would be fun to be more twitch action i guess well thankfully uh void rifter the head is just the whole thing so <laughs> true <laughs> that's uh and then the rocket's also pretty convenient there um but uh yeah i i definitely get that i i think that when you play I always go back to Halo because Halo is to me the staple of a Halo Three is to me a staple of what I would consider a nearly perfect game, mm -hmm. and SWAT on Halo Three <laughs> was superb. I mean, auto aims turned down a little bit, so it's down for down to your accuracy and stuff like that, and you got to get the headshots otherwise you die. You know? Yeah. We used to play a lot of Halo, and Bungie's just got the whatever first person shooter. Um, destiny mechanism is just down it's they've got it yeah destiny we played a lot of destiny one getting headshots in that game was like smooth as butter yeah and they make it they make you feel like you did the headshot too which <laughs> i i love that i love it because it's like yeah i'm good at this game but the reality is you know it's the math <laughs> but that's like, okay even with those i turned all the the aim control off and it's still there yeah, all the aim assists. I'm like, damn it, because you throw it like hunter class, whatever it was called. I'd throw the knife and hit him in the head with a knife and be like, did I just really do that? Because I think everybody else is doing that too. <laughs> Sneaky. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I feel it, but at the same time, accessibility. You know, I think uh, I read a. I sorry, not read. I went to a talk once at a conference about accessibility in video games and talked about how do you make the difference possible? How do you make the game balanced in that sense? And one of them was, you know, you, you make sure that the players even have a slight bit of auto-aim because otherwise the smoothness of the game vanishes. Because now you're constantly missing everything. And I think if anybody's played Arizona Sunshine, that proves the point perfectly. <laughs> you can't fucking hit a goddamn thing most of the time. Like, like you're aiming, but you're just like, I am missing, you know? and like they could be right in your face and you can't even hit them. Um, but when the shot, when you really line up and you really take your time, you hit it. But the auto aim, I think there could have just taken a little bit of auto aim. I might have gone a long way there. But um, I think that what? hunting games are a great one where auto aim shouldn't be allowed. And so for me, auto aim is a staple of what it is that makes the game successful. But I think I will turn off that. Uh, I'll put a button in there to make it so you can turn it off. It'd just be interesting. I always do that anyway. And if it's if it's a new game, I'll get even flat games. If a new game has a lot of weird frame rate differences to what I'm used to playing, it'll it'll make, <laughs> it'll tweak my eyes a little bit. I'll get a headache. But like I'll still turn the auto aim off to try it. And if it's like nope, <laughs> I need to practice a little more. I'll I'll go ahead and turn that back on for a while. It's. Uh, it's just fun for me. I'm when when we play first person shooters and stuff. I'm the idiot that's trying to pull off the stupid crazy kills. Like 
I'm no good in a team situation because <laughs> I'm either destroying the entire other team or I can't kill anybody. Like there's rarely times where I'm in the middle and more often than not, I'm trying to do some, not that I just go ramble or something like that, but I'm like, you know, trying to throw a grenade behind them and, and shoot the grenade or something, you know, anything stupid. I'm just weird about that. And it, it doesn't feel right to me unless I'm the one that did it. So, <laughs> I mean, I feel it playing uh, way back when playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare 1. Oh. That uh, getting the grenades around the corners and stuff like that really, really is interesting. I mean, I don't remember if that game had like an aggressive auto aim or not, but I feel like because I was just a child when I was playing it and I was good at it, it probably did. But, I don't know. Uh, Kids and games. Okay, it's in game. Yeah. <laughs> um. There's there's also some cool tricks you can do. Like, uh, I do you guys remember when developers were talking about the sneaky tricks they put into games to make gamers feel like they're doing a good job, but then actually it's the game making them do a good job. Nothing really specific. I'm sure there's a lot of that stuff with science and there, mouse traps and stuff. Absolutely. There was a tweet thread probably a number of years ago now that I'm thinking about it and. You talked about stuff like uh, health not being exactly representation of how much you've actually hit, been taking hits. Like, for example, uh, the first 10 hits you take, take about 50% of your health. And then the next 100 hits you take, take their other 50% kind of thing. And I so, noticed that just playing the games, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Void Rifter has that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But it's the purpose of it is to make you feel like you're you're on the edge of your edge of your seat. You know what I mean? Push you right. for that. Um, I and like that that's kind of neat. I had to do that actually because I just kept dying um, too quickly, and the respawn system in Void Drifter for the longest time was broken, so it would crash the game. Uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> I had to uh, I had to fix that because <laughs> I wanted to yeah, still be okay. able to test it. <laughs> nice. I actually um, you mentioned the event you were at last week i actually saw your stage in the spaddle uh special geez i can't talk spaddle ape group is that what you're, mm -hmm. you're mentioning yeah i was in there talking to them after the event ended and i saw your your booth over there i'm like oh sweet i'm talking to that guy on monday <laughs> it was really good to yeah. see. cool little booth yeah, that was cool. I, I liked that a lot. That was I I didn't know it was in VR until like the last minute. Um because they're like, Did you get the build? I'm like, what build? <laughs> and I, I didn't realize because on the website it says download access or something like that to the to yeah. conference and and then there was of course, as as to be expected, issues with the build where it would crash for everybody if new people came in. <laughs> um but uh we got that all fixed up and it was so cool to look over and see my some of the creatures from my game, some of the dimensional monster things from my game standing there and i mean they of course had to size them down significantly in order for them to fit in the booth but yeah <laughs> but uh it was really cool i like that i look forward to the day that that's real you know like i actually walk up and there's a real one of them you know <laughs> not like actually real like where it's attacking people but like you know just a yeah. mental thing i have actually an important question as well did you customize your mac I did not. I had um, some time constraints over the weekend, so I only got to hop in and play for like 40 minutes. So I just, I think it loads up. Is it a random one or is it uh, usually, like the... usually randomized? It, yeah, so I just 
I looked at it, I'm like, oh, sweet options. And I'm like, I wish I had time to look at them. And I just hopped in the game and got into it. There's a randomization button on the far left uh, where you can just press it and it will jumble up a mech for you. Um, but uh, How many uh, options for each? Like, What are the customization points and all that? So pretty much every point on the mech is customizable. Um, I say every, but I think that that's not necessarily true. Uh, you can change the canopy. You can change the shoulders. You can change the shoulder mounts. You can change the thighs and the feet and the shins of the mech. You can also change the hips. And you can pretty much make it look like anything you want. You can also change the classification and weight class. And so you can make it a light mech, which is wicked fast and hard to hard to get killed, but it only has two guns. And the medium class, which has three guns, and it's the, it's the one that we are all familiar with from the original demo. And then you mm -hmm. get the heavy, which is pretty much twice the size of the medium, and it's slow, but it has an unreasonable amount of health. <laughs> um, which, of course, when you're slow in a game that you're meant to be fast, you kind of need that. So, um, and so it's, uh, I was thinking about making it so that each part has its own weight and stuff like that. But then I thought to myself, this isn't a simulator. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I chose not to go that route yet. Uh, we'll see. Maybe I'll put a hardcore option. But uh, yeah, you can, you can also change the colors and everything. Um, and so there's four colors, I think. Um, there's also a ton of guns in there now. So instead of just being the, the artillery gauss cannon, um, the automatic and the shotgun, there's a laser, there's rocket launchers, there's RPG systems, there's uh, uh, a faster automatic cannon, and there's shotgun, of course, and what else was there? There's a sword I'm working on. I don't know how well that's going. Um, <laughs> nice. Swords are hard. <laughs> Yeah, they are sorry. You gotta get close to them, and they don't want you to get close to them. So, <laughs> um, that's where you have to swing it, and you don't really know what the range is. You just sort of like, and sometimes melee in games, you know, you punch or you swing your knife, somebody dies like eight feet away. <laughs> just make it, make it like thirty meters. You can't tell. Just lose a limb. Exactly. I, I mean, that's that's kind of what the sword was was a shorter laser, um, with limited range. Um, but it just it didn't feel good. So. I turned it off. Um but yeah, so there's there's tons of tons of things in there now. It's it got probably I'd say an hour or two of just customization fun you can do and just playing around a little bit with it. Um nice. and that's cool. Hopefully I don't get people stuck in the creator character screen. Um <laughs> like I always get stuck in them. But <laughs> that's what that's what I was gonna say. If PJ jumped right in the game, it would have been me and been like, ooh, and then I would have wasted yeah. my forty minutes on you know, mech toenail polish or something. It'll be like a new game that's coming out or released, say on like a Friday, and we'll plan to get it and be like, you ready to hop in yet? He'd be like, no, I got, I, I haven't settled on a character yet. And it's like, it's, it's been two hours, man. Come on. <laughs> that was me the cyberpunk. Yeah. <laughs> yep. If it's cyberpunk, I was in that one for like three hours and I realized like, wait a minute. I, I really loved cdpr going in so i didn't know anything about the game i went back and retroactively watched the trailers after i started playing i didn't even know it was first person i didn't know anything about the game so i walked in there i was like not that i minded the character is pretty good but i was like i didn't know anything about the game <laughs> and i was like well i could say look in a mirror and see my bald head <laughs> uh, but yeah we'll, we'll do stuff like 
World of Warcraft or anything we're going to play where it's multiplayer, it's like, well, I'll see you in like two days because I might have to try out every single class and then pick a race and then pick how I want it to look. Oh, wasn't then... it Sea of Thieves where you're like, you kind of <laughs> create something and then you delete it or something? And you're just you like, have like, I'm my 50th person, I can't. <laughs> you have like eight spots where you just kind of scroll or something, and you push a button, and it randomizes the character, and you can just kind of spin. You can kind of hang on to a few of them because you don't really know. It's a it's a really good random character system. But they made such pained expressions and such happy ones when they first showed up that I got sad when I'd like wipe one out because I'd be like, well, that entity is gone from the universe, never to return. <laughs> Those numbers some- have now vanished. <laughs> right yeah like the energy is still here but the matter the physical shape is gone um i don't know how long it took me i was probably well over 50 by the time i stuck with benson the big <laughs> jovial oath i had to be there for, it was like a good four hours and you don't even that's not even a creator that's just a random picker and maybe it wasn't yeah. four hours that might be a little more so but it was way too long when Wookiee fires a Void Rifter, I'll, I'll time him and get back to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's uh, the gameplay itself, uh, if you get out of the, the, the mech customization, um, is about 15 minutes, I believe. It's 15 minutes worth of waves. So it's not meant to be like the original demo, which was 40 minutes minimum. Um, but it's about 15 minutes, but it's replayable because you guys can play together. Yeah. Co-op. <laughs> And responding works. Nice. That co-op is so important. Like you said, you don't want to play games alone. And it's very much true in my case. Like, There's nothing like a good single player that does it well. But, you know, my Wookiee's my brother and he's lived down south for a long time now. And it's the only way we can hang out, especially when there's a pandemic going on. So anything with co-op is just amazing for me. So I appreciate it. I think yeah. that uh, the pandemic's really pushed VR very hard, too. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, being able to play mini putt with your friends in VR, <laughs> there there aren't words to describe how much that feels great after like six months of isolation, you know? Yeah, <laughs> you'll swing the golf club at them, you know? <laughs> I gotta hit some people. Like yeah. I've been playing the Mass Effect Legendary remake and talk about the character creator. I went through the first one, created a character, imported it to the second one. And then still, like, looked at it, looked at the default, and went and did a custom, and it kept going back and forth. Still spent, like, I already created a character in the first game. I still spent a good hour and a half, like, trying to copy it and then tweak it in the second one. I'm an idiot. But that's a pretty good single-player game. Keeps me, you know, like, the story, even though I remember, I don't remember exactly what happened from, like, a decade ago, but it's fun to run through. But then a few nights after... um my brother and I played with our nephew and uh, and some Vermintide too. These are all non-VR games, sorry. But just having two to three of us doing crazy, stupid stuff together was like such a better a better experience than even a good single player by myself. So I get you. It's it's, it's awesome to play good games alone, but it's even better to play good games with yeah. people. And in VR, Absolutely. it's just yeah, it's just everything's exponentially better if it's done well in VR because it's there's just. You could be playing a Nintendo 64 game like, you know, Zelda 64 in VR is better than playing most games in high def on a projector. So, absolutely, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge call. I mean, I don't, I don't honestly play video games to play alone anymore because I, I'm an extroverted person. I'm such an extrovert that playing games alone is just boring to me. So, always will 
have every game I make have co-op. And of course, that was such a main focus for Void Rifter. Um, because it's one thing to play a surrealistic hellscape alone in a giant robot. It's another thing to play with friends over and over and over again to constantly do the memes. Like in, of course, Halo 3, as I always point out. Um, <laughs> I have played Halo 3 probably over 50 times the campaign nice. like i know wow. it word for word at this point and you know you always meet a new person it's like let's play halo 3 <laughs> do you ever be like oh i think i could remember how to do that and you know <laughs> go easy on the new guy and just <laughs> so obliterate them yes absolutely. around absolutely but yeah i mean co-op is to me it's couch co-op is i miss it so much yeah Mm-hmm. So it's it kind of died off for a little bit, but I think co-op has come back with vengeance, especially again because of the pandemic, and that that cooperative nature. Like, I, uh, we always we we do want to go on adventures by ourselves, but I want to go adventures with people all the time because mm-hmm. so much fun. And like yeah. everything, when Call of Duty hit a big like you know I, that's around another decade ago too, everything went to just multiplayer only. And everything like you got to keep things fresh and i don't really care for the fort or the the battle royale stuff mm-hmm. that's the only really like twist on anything and it's like like how can you go wrong with shooting each other shooting friends shooting random people it's you just no ingenuity so co-op started to seem to go away and now a lot of games still have are starting to have co-op and split screen and stuff so thank god I 100% it's, agree. Yeah, it's sometimes I really I want to squash people's evenings and sometimes I just <laughs> want to ignore everything and just laugh with people while still squashing NPCs dreams. That's fine too. Absolutely. Yeah. My wife I actually... will play co-op split screen. She will not like we have Xboxes and everything in many rooms in the house, but she will not play like a online game or like a system link game but she'll play couch co-op so i take what i can get and it's awesome <laughs> absolutely my uh my girlfriend my significant other is huge into co-op games i mean we tried halo pvp and she was like no i don't like this and so we went to the halo campaign she's like this is awesome so we we do a lot of that um and i feel it being able to sit there and play with somebody is just something else entirely um, just to note something that was mentioned a moment ago, I actually thought heavily, heavily about putting a battle royale into Void Rifter. I thought about it. I really <laughs> thought about it, but then I realized I can't because I don't have the ability to put that many players in <laughs> my rooms. I I rent servers uh, for it, um, which thankfully they're dirt cheap servers, so they're but they're very reliable. So that's good. They use they're through Photon, which is built by Exit. Um, and they are super reliable for a really good price. Um, hmm. But they are limited to 20 people. <laughs> and I, I guess I could do a battle royale with 20 people, but like at that point, why don't I just make it PvP or elimination <laughs> or something like that? Yeah. Even old school, like Halo, you know, everyone knows what the sniper rifle is, and it was like a different contest to run to get it or something like that. It's like just. Let me change my loadout. Like, again, going back to Call of Duty and stuff, when whatever the, whichever Modern Warfare added in, you get 10 customization points and you can kind of screw around with your loadup and, you know, tweak it, go around, lose around, and then, you know, 
tweak it again. I I was like, thank God, I'm sick of running around looking for guns because like I didn't play a lot of Unreal Tournament or Quake way back in the day, but I was familiar. I'm like, can I just keep the assault rifle? I don't want to have to find it and then get shot in the ass. I want to have the gun and shoot the other people in the ass. That should be the point. Like it's absolutely it's never sat well with me. Well, it's uh, it's been about an hour, and I, I do have to get going. Right. So I do really appreciate you guys bringing me in here. It has been fantastic. Yeah. I'm looking yeah, forward man. to getting as much word out about Word Richer as possible since it's coming out very soon. Uh, and I need mm-hmm. to do marketing, <laughs> uh, but, uh, which is hard and terrifying because marketing yeah. is something I have no idea how to do. Uh, but this helps. You know, this is every every podcast, every chat. It makes such a difference, and I really appreciate the fact that uh you know good feedback on the game and stuff like that so yeah no problem i have no problem like making videos and all that fun stuff if you need any help or anything like anything we can do we like to help so heck yeah well i have good news at the end of probably this month there's going to be a first section of the campaign um releasable as a demo for people can try on their oculus quests or flat screens you have to come to the discord to get it um otherwise it will only be available for one week um and it'll be the first two sections of the campaign awesome i would recommend joining the discord if you haven't yeah we'll definitely tweet reminders and anything we've talked about and all the links to void rifter like on side quest or wherever it's available we'll have those in the show notes if you're listening so you have something to click on and go check it out all right. Well, I will talk to you guys later. Thanks again. You guys yeah, have a good night. You too, man. And thanks for everybody who listened. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. See ya. Now, listeners, that was Sean Murphy, creator of Void Rifter, coming soon. There is a build available. Join the Discord. We'll have a link in the show notes below. Just a fun arcade mech game. Pretty fast paced. I had fun with it. <laughs> Very interesting looking. I like all the lights, the colors. Very good visuals to keep you engaged for a while. The little yeah. threads as the little enemies explode into, into swirlies. But we'll keep you posted whenever they, they come to release or like with the campaign demo you mentioned. But that's it for this episode. I am PJ. I'm Wookie. And this was our VR Verdict.